0: Well, we come to the next part of our series now, our verse of the year. For those of you that uh, are here for the first time and don't know what we've been talking about, our verse of the year that we've been reflecting on over this week is from Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you until the very end of the age. The last words recorded by Matthew uh, that Jesus spoke, telling us what we should be doing and it's impacting on us in this year as we keep coming back to it and the series we're doing at the moment is focusing on the first word there, simply this, go. Go. The calling of Jesus is to go, and it's great that we can come and we can gather together and we can praise God and we can express faith and we can stand alongside one another, but the reality is later on this morning or in the early part of this afternoon, we will be going out through these doors. We will be going out into the world for whatever the week holds in store for us. Uh, And So we've been thinking in this series through looking at some biblical characters, what their call meant to go and what it can mean for us as well. So we started off by looking at Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Uh, And talks about Abraham in in the uh, statement of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He says, even when Abraham didn't know where he was going, he was obedient to God. And the reality is, for some of us, when we go out through these doors, we don't know exactly what it's going to mean for how we serve God. But the call is to be obedient, to go and serve him, even when we don't know exactly what that means for us in the week ahead. Perhaps we don't know how we can offer ourselves to God. But actually, wherever we go, we can be the light of Christ. And that's our calling. Even when we don't know exactly what it is we are to do, We go to be the light of Christ. So that was the first part of our series. Then the second part of our series, we were looking at Jeremiah. And the call of God to Jeremiah came in this way. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Uh, And to be honest, it wasn't an easy call for Jeremiah at all. He was going to have to say some very difficult things to people at that time. But the call was to go, and and Jeremiah felt a sense of inadequacy. Uh, And actually, when we go out of these doors, we might feel a sense of inadequacy in how can I face all that is going on in the week ahead. But the promise of God came that he would give the words for Jeremiah to say. And actually, I believe that where we go out and feel inadequate as we go out, God will provide us with all the strength we need for whatever he has called us to do. And for wherever we're going to bring the light of Christ, he will help us in spite of our inadequacy. Uh, And also we saw for Jeremiah that his call was uh, a call that would lead to rejection. Uh, uh, And actually, as we were looking at that, we said as well, that where we go and where we experience rejection, the love of God is always with us. Because God Almighty never rejects us. He always calls us to him and shares his love with us. So that's the series so far. And today we come to look at, it should say Philip there. I don't know why I put Stephen. It should say Philip. Because this is Philip's call. I've just seen that now. You'll tell that from the very first sentence. So imagine the top line says Philip. Philip. now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, and just to let you know a little bit about Philip, we first come across him in chapter 6. There's, uh, the early church have a problem. The food is being distributed to widows uh, because they need food distributed to them, but there's questions and a feeling of unfairness, uh, and so What they do at this time is the early church, they decide to appoint seven people who are full of the spirit and of wisdom in order that they may take on this role of administration to make sure that it's dealt with fairly. And Philip is one of those. Uh, And Stephen, who was mentioned there, is another of those. And uh, Stephen ends up being persecuted and stoned to death. Uh, And that leads to a place where lots of the believers are scattered because they have to leave Jerusalem. And Philip leaves and goes to Samaria and preaches in Samaria. And it goes well there, and I'll say something about that later on. But then a moment comes where he receives this call. And we're going to hear it now as Joan comes to bring our scripture reading this morning from Acts chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 26 through to 39. I wonder if any of you have used Airbnb before now. So I can see a number of nods going around here. Airbnb is uh, a website that you can use where you, well, if you've got a place to stay, whether it's a room that you want, you're inviting people to come and use in your own home or a full house or whatever it is, you can find lots of different places on Airbnb. And um, we've used it as a family and I think we've been very happy with the places that we've stayed at and, uh, and enjoyed them. But occasionally things don't work out quite like that. Uh, and I was reading about somebody who, um, who booked through Airbnb to go to Amsterdam and uh, paid £100 for a one-night stay near the city centre uh, for a room that was described as clean and, um, uh, and having its own private bathroom. Uh, all sounded good, but he was struggling to find it. Um, and he drove past it a cu- couple of times in the taxi, uh, and this is actually... It. Well, that's what he had to, to stay in, and um, he tweeted about it. You can see maybe on the right hand side, it, the, the toilet was just a portaloo, and uh, inside was simply a mattress, and um, that was just about it. Uh, this is what he said about it as he was coming. He said, When we arrived, we drove past the container three times in the taxi because we couldn't believe that could be it. I'm not surprised uh, how many of us would expect when we book somewhere to say stay in a place like that. Normally there are pictures and you see better pictures of what's going on. Apparently it's been removed both from Airbnb uh, listings, but also uh, it was um, placed there without a permit. So the whole thing has been moved now as well. Um, and Airbnb refunded him and paid for his hotel that he stayed in for that night. That moment of thinking... This can't be the place, can it? Why would I be here? Uh, I wonder if um, something of that goes through the mind of Philip, where he has this message, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Why, Lord? Why there? You know, why take me to a road? It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, does it? You know, why, why to this particular place? In many ways, the call of Philip is the exact opposite of the call of Abraham. Abraham was called to go to a place where he did not know where it was to be. Uh, And actually, it was a call that was going to take place over a period of time. Jeremiah's call as well, that was a call for his life to be the prophet. Uh, But for Philip at this point, he's called to a particular location, and as we've heard the story... For a particular moment. And actually, that's what I want to think about this morning that each one of us can sometimes have a call from God for a particular moment for a particular purpose. And who knows? It could be for us that we have one of those moments this week when we go from this place later on. A call for a particular moment. And for a particular purpose. So we're going to explore a little bit this morning of what we can look at through this. That Philip is called to go. uh, And the call to go is to be in the right place at the right time. To be ready to speak the truth. And to be led by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to unpack these three things this morning. Philip is called to go. He's called to go to be in the right place at the right time. Um, A few months ago, Wall Road was closed at one end of it near the school. For those of you that know Wall Road, um, near uh, Sprouston Road at that end. And it was quite interesting. I was working in uh, my study uh, from home one day, and uh, it's something we all observed in in the family, that over this time, it was amazing the number of cars that drove along and had to turn around and go back again. Uh, and actually, it wasn't just cars. The most interesting one to watch was quite a large lorry coming down the road and suddenly realizing the road was shut at that point and having to turn around and go back. Quite a challenge. Now, why that happened, uh, well, it may be, I think, the sign saying road closed could have been a little bit clear, clearer and better placed, maybe. Um, maybe people were just so caught up in their journey of where they were going, they never looked and just carried on. Maybe some people just thought, well, it's probably not closed. You can probably still get through as well. I, I don't know, but for whatever reason it was, there were people who continued to drive along that road and then were met with that point where they had to turn round and go back again. I just wonder for Philip, one of the things that I admire about him in what he did and his sensitivity to what the Holy Spirit was saying Uh, something we'll think about a little bit later on, is his willingness to change direction uh, and to move. You see, I, I said that he had gone to Samaria and was preaching there. And actually, his ministry was going well. This is what it says about him. It says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed, so there was great joy in that city. You know, there's Philip in this place where he's doing ministry for Jesus, and actually there's a lot of good that's happening. The city is full of joy. You know, I think, I suspect if that had been me, I'd want to stay there, wouldn't you? You know, things are going well. Things are going great. Here comes this call. An angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go south to a a road. I mean, uh, you know there are more people, don't you, in the city than there are on a road. Uh, And surely the ministry here is going well for me. Shouldn't I stay here in the city? Imagine him perhaps saying that. Here's a, here's a map. I don't know that you can exactly see where it is from your distance, but Jerusalem, he travels north to Samaria and actually has to come right back through Jerusalem to the Gaza Road. Uh, and I said Jerusalem was a place that they left because that was a place where the believers were being persecuted. You know, he was willing to go, to move to change direction, I wonder, I wonder for us, how good are we at being willing to change direction? I don't know what it's like for you, but um, I have my diary here which tells me the various appointments that I have got during the week. Uh, And as I was preparing this, the challenge that I felt and was coming to me is how willing am I, allow, am I to allow God to redirect me away from things in my diary, if necessary? Now, I'm not saying, uh, not using it as an excuse, not to keep appointments and not to fulfill responsibilities, but occasionally, God may call us to a place where we weren't expecting to be in the week ahead. How willing am I to be flexible? How willing are you? To be flexible. Uh, And I think there's something amazing here that we see about the heart of God as we look at Philip's call to go and being in the right place at the right time. The amazing thing is this Philip was in a city preaching to many. God has a heart for the one as well. And actually, the call comes for Philip to go to this desert road because there's going to be a meeting with one. And actually, that one is going to give his life to Christ. Who knows what the story was for the Ethiopian eunuch after that. But whatever it was, that moment was to, have a moment, was to be a moment of eternal significance for him. And perhaps, and it's one of the challenges I face regularly, Perhaps sometimes God calls us to the one which takes us away from other things and I say so often I'm aware and it's a a challenge that was mentioned in one of our team meetings that we had not so long ago because somebody was saying uh, about meeting somebody just when they had to go to another appointment and do you give that time to them and risk being a little bit late Or, or do you say sorry I've got to go? Uh, And the number of times I find that when I'm in a rush somewhere, I can almost guarantee I'll meet somebody who I haven't spoken to for a while and I think I could do with having a chat with you. It's that challenge. I'm not saying what the right answer is, but I'm just saying, do we pray over our diaries? One of the challenges that came to me is, do I pray over my diary at the beginning of the week and say, Lord, I have things in my diary, but I want to give my life for you and to be in the right place at the right time where you want me to be? So if there's things in my diary that needs to change, help me to be flexible and willing to do it. Don't let me be like one of those drivers going along War Road that just ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time and has to turn around. Help me to be the one who listens and is willing to change direction if needed. Philip is called to go to be in the right place at the right time, and he's got a willingness to change uh, another picture here. I was reading again this week about uh, an antiques dealer who went to a car boot sale and picked up this picture which he, um, he believed to be an imitation of a Picasso. And uh, he paid £230 for it. I've never been to a car boot sale where you pay £230 for something. But, but that's what he paid for it. They said he came away afterwards and he thought, oh, he, what's called buyer's remorse. Have I made a huge mistake here? Have I bought something for £230 that is absolutely worthless? Took it to uh, an art auction house, and the auctioneer looked at it, and after some study, there is a belief now that it might be an original, worth £750,000. I don't know whether it is actually original, but that's what they're investigating. You know, when you discover something is true, it's valuable. That picture becomes valuable when you discover it's true. The Ethiopian eunuch is here reading some verses of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. Those words were of value at one point, just as he was reading them. But he didn't understand them at that moment. What he needed was somebody who would come along and speak the truth to explain them to him. That's exactly what happens because the Spirit tells Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Philip runs up to the chariot and hears the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And he explains. About Jesus. Suddenly, the words that he was reading become truth of incredible value because he can meet with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. When we go from here, we need to be people who are ready to go to speak the truth. Who knows what was going through Philip's mind at that particular moment? If it had been me, I I would probably have been thinking, oh my goodness. This is a significant moment, isn't it? I've got to get the words right. What if I get them wrong and I miss this wonderful opportunity to share the faith? What if this is the only time he's going to ask this question? Maybe Philip was a lot calmer than I would have been in that particular moment. But actually, we need to be ready to go and speak the truth. Uh, The great commission that Jesus gives is a call to go and share our faith. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and tell them about Jesus. Uh, And actually, when we go out from here, that is a responsibility that each one of us carries. How do you feel about the possibility of having a conversation with somebody this week to share your faith with them? For some of us, it might be like, that's absolutely amazing. I'd love that opportunity. For others of us, it might be, oh my goodness, I have no idea what I would say. What if I don't say the right thing? Uh, And it may be that what happens is as we meet with people, it may not be that they are reading a passage of Scripture and come to us and say, can you explain it to me, please? They might come with a very different sort of question. They might come to us with the sort of question that says, how can you believe in a God of love when there's so much suffering in the world? Why do you believe there is one way to go to heaven when there are so many different faiths in the world? What makes you arrogant enough to believe that yours is the one true way? These are the kind of questions that people might ask. But they are an opportunity for us to share something of what we understand to be truth. How prepared do we feel in that kind of situation? Let me say, those two questions, they're difficult ones to answer, and they often come very loaded. But it doesn't mean to say that just because it's difficult, we shouldn't try and engage. And uh, sometimes what we may need to do, if we're going to actually be people who are ready to go to speak the truth, we need to do some preparation and say, what, what would I say in that situation? Let me say, if you've got questions like that and you want, to, um, you want to know and you think, well, I don't know what the answer is, please, please, please speak to David. <laughs> no, oh, oh, well, no you can. David's shaking his head there. but um, no, speak, speak, to, speak to people who've got, we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers, but we can perhaps give some indicators of things that might be helpful to say. Not that they will answer questions like that, but actually it's about going and being prepared. But do we have that desire? That's the question. Uh, How many of us will pray at the beginning of the week, Lord, I pray that there might be somebody I have the opportunity to share your gospel message with? I wonder how many of us ever pray that? Would you be willing? My experience is this. I don't know about anyone else who's done it, and I by no means do that every week. But my experience is when I pray that prayer, quite often, most of the time, I have an opportunity to share faith with someone. Uh, and to be honest, when I don't pray that prayer, what happens quite often is I think, oh, I missed an opportunity to share my faith with someone there. Yeah, because we do have moments where we can just share something of our faith. And one of the things we're going to do next church weekend, the church weekend next weekend, the theme for it is sharing my faith. Uh, And we're going to do a course at some point. We've got some studies that we can do to help us with that. We'll talk more about that next week. But but what we want to help focus on during that time is we recognize it's not always easy. It's not always natural for us to share faith. But we want to spend some time helping to equip ourselves to be ready to do that. But it starts with a desire in our hearts. You know, it might be scary. We might think, I've no idea how to do this. But actually, the call to go is a call to be prepared to speak truth into our world. So that's the second thing. Then we come to the third thing. This is, um, you might recognize it, some of you, black and white television. I was interested to read that... um, Apparently, 7,000 people still have a black and white license in this country. Um, now, whether, whether they're just assuming that nobody will check up to see whether they've got a color television or not, I don't know. But 50 years after T- color TV broadcasts started, some people are still happy watching in black and white. And there have been so many changes since then. It's not you know, not just black and white. It's, um, now, it's SD and HD, Uh, I don't know how well you can see the differences where you are, but when you're up close, you can see the difference between SD, standard definition, and high definition. And um, some people are happy with just standard definition, other people want high definition. The next thing, of course, that's coming out and more people are getting is 4K, greater clarity. And again, what I notice when you're close up is you can see a greater um, vividness in the colors, As you move from HD to ultra HD. So, you can have black and white, you can have color, you can have standard definition, you can have high definition, you can have 4K. What do you want? Uh, And actually, as I was looking at that and thinking about it, I thought, what about in our lives generally, uh, in our walk with Jesus uh, and the sense of what he's doing in the world? What vision do we want? How many of us are content with black and white or standard definition? How many of us are really desiring for 4K Ultra HD? That's what I want. Um, Not just to watch television on, but I'm talking spiritually. 4K Ultra HD, to see the world better, more like God sees it. See, that's what happens for Philip. This is is what he sees. So he hears an angel. I'd love to know more about how the angel appeared to him and what he looked like and how he knew it was an angel, all those kind of things. But we're told in verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. There was a chariot there. There's a man reading. Do you mind your own business or do you go over to them? How do you know what to do? The Spirit says, go over the human brain might have been watching it in black and white but the spirit gives him 4k ultra hd vision to say i've got to go over there uh, and we read again later on in verse 39 When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Again, I'd love to know what that meant a little bit more about how that happened. But the important thing is the Spirit led Philip to the next place. He was seeing the world in 4K Ultra HD because the Spirit was giving him that sight. And that's what we need when we go from this place. Because we will meet many different situations where it's not like there's a handbook that we can just go to and say, oh, this is the answer of, this is who I speak to in this particular situation. This is what they need to hear. This is about actually sensing the Holy Spirit who's leading us, who helps, to see, helps us to see the world differently, more like God sees it in all of its glorious technicolor. And we see that displayed as it comes to the baptism here. Philip explains all that's going on tells him the good news about Jesus. As they travel along the road together, they come to some water, and the eunuch says, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? It's interesting. Did any of you notice that um, on the screen, and in most of our Bibles probably, it, it went straight from verse 36 to 38? And Joan actually read verse 37 as well in her version of the Bible. But a a lot of them don't contain verse 37, which says, uh, which has um, Philip saying, If you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The reason it's not put in there is that actually the earliest manuscripts don't have that verse but people think it was probably added at a later date. Why was it added at a later date? Well, the reason is this. The the early church and the people copying the manuscript said, you can only be baptised if you've declared faith in Jesus. Now, he doesn't actually explicitly say it in this, but it must have happened, because Philip wouldn't have baptised him otherwise. So he must have declared his faith in Jesus Christ. But, But the reality is, in in Well, Baptist churches I can speak of definitely, but probably other churches as well. There's been a long debate about who's ready to be baptised. Is somebody ready to be baptised the moment they come to faith? Or should we teach them about what they're believing in first? There might be six or seven weeks beforehand. Or, or, you know, there's two different ways of doing it. Or are you actually um, preventing them from making a, a, a commitment at that moment when they know it's right? You know, what do you do? And actually, I would say in different situations, the reality is different things can be right. There isn't a one answer fits all. Some people might need a little bit of time to actually fully understand, or understand better because we never fully understand, but to understand better what baptism is about. Other people might need to make an immediate commitment. How do you know the difference between the two? The Holy Spirit giving you 4K ultra HD view, seeing the world as God sees it. And the question that I want to throw out to us, for us to think about and consider and to pray about is, to what extent do we want to see the world as God sees it? If you look at the reality of our lives, because it's not just about saying what our desire is, because maybe many of us could say quite easily, I want to see in 4K Ultra HD. But are we willing to do the things that enable us to do that? To make the commitments that are required in terms of our prayer life, in the reading of Scripture. Are we ready to do that? To really seek after the Lord with our whole of our hearts? Or or are we more comfortable just giving a little bit? In, In reality, are we more comfortable with just standard definition? What do we want to do? What sight? Do we want to have when we go from here? Philip went, led by the Holy Spirit, and would continue to be led by the Holy Spirit. His call to go, he responded What about us? Are we going to go from this place in a little while? Wanting to be in the right place at the right time and saying, Lord, You are in control of my diary and my time. I go, I want to go where you will lead me. Lord, I want to change directions where I need to change direction. Lord, lead me to the one. Not just the big thing, but lead me to the one. Philip's called to go and he's ready to speak the truth. What about us? Are we ready to speak the truth? What are we doing to help us understand more of the truth and the ways that we can explain it and share it with people? How much do we desire? Are we praying, Lord, give me the opportunity this week to share something of my faith with someone who doesn't believe? And are we going ready to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we can see the world more clearly as God sees it? How are we going to go through these doors in a few minutes' time?